section thirty eight of mrs diamond this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org mrs diamond by anne isabella thackeray ritchie book four chapter four adieu les sangs d'or oh how shall summer's honey breath hold out against the wreckful siege of battering days things come about simply and naturally which seem very terrible and full of emotion beforehand here was susanna after all that had happened standing with madame du pare by max's bedside and neither of the three seemed moved beyond their ordinary looks and ways had they parted yesterday in a garden of roses they could not have met more quietly though they met with disaster all about among omens and forebodings of worse evil to come for a moment the room seemed to susie to shake beneath her feet but it was only for a moment the sight of his pale worn face so sad and strangely marked with lines of care and yet so familiar withal called her back to the one thought of late so predominant in her mind what she could do for him how she could help him best of sentiment and personal feeling she could not think at such an hour great events carry people along into a different state of mood and being to string them to some greater chord than that of their own personality in all these strange days and stirring episodes susanna seemed to herself but one among the thousands who were facing the crisis of their fate a part of all the rest and yet at the same time she knew that every feeling she had ever known was there keenly alive unchanged by change ah we have had a narrow escape said madame they got the ball out of his chest a little more and it was in his lungs but he is well now and he was able to save his man eh max save my man mamma said max smiling faintly there was not much of him saved poor fellow i pulled what was left of him from under his horse then some one helped me up by the way can you arrange for adolphe to return to the villa to-morrow caron will bring a carriage for us why of course comment donc i will speak to the sister at once said madame du pare jumping up then she paused susie has something to ask you she said who was it max who saw marney at st cloud who can give us his address it was adolphe said max shortly you had better leave mr marney to his own affairs i wish it were possible susie said with a sigh but my mother cannot rest day or night i am driven to look for him it is only to help her that i am here you will find adolphe in the next room said du pare looking disappointed my mother will guide you good-bye do not stay now and he put out his hand he spoke advisedly he was still weak from illness this meeting was almost too much for his strength and he dreaded one kind word from susie lest like a woman he should break into tears these were not times for tears of sensibility there had been too many tears shed max used to think statesmen wept when they should have resolved made speeches where silence would have been more to the purpose and du pare felt that for the present for susie's sake and for his own they must be as strangers together 
his was a somewhat old-fashioned creed but one which after all has kept the world going in honour and self-respect since the beginning of all honour and du pare having made up his mind was not in the habit of wasting his time by undoing it again he was but half a frenchman but he loved his country its welfare its good name beyond all other things for the last four weeks he had laid patiently waiting for his wound to heal now that his strength was returning he longed to be at work once more it was little enough but it was something one more pair of arms to help to keep order in the chaos one more recruit on the side of justice and of law max followed susanna's tall retreating figure to the door with his sick man's wistful looks she stopped for a moment looked back faintly smiled and passed on the two were in deeper sympathy in their silent estrangement than in any romantic protests and explanations the next room had been a grand lady's boudoir once it was still hung with a few smart pictures and ornamental glasses a young soldier in undress with a wounded shoulder who was standing in a window greeted them cheerfully and immediately began fumbling with his good arm at his red trousers pocket good morning madame du pare he cried your son told me he was expecting you i want to show you this and he produced a purse in which with some coppers was a piece of his own bone wrapped up in newspaper the next man to him who was bedridden brought a bit of his knee-cap from under the pillow he had a handsome brown face and lay looking up wearily he couldn't sleep he was never at ease he said his comrade had been writing home for him he won't tell them of his wound cried the man in the window he made me say that he had a slight sprain in the leg and the good-natured young fellow roared with laughter at the joke never mind we shall see thee a captain yet jean he said gaily a captain not even a corporal answers poor jean some other men who were playing cards and dominoes at a table in the centre of the room looked up and greeted madame du pare who seemed to know them all one poor fellow who was looking over a comrade's cards came striding forward with both hands in his trousers pockets this was the adolphe whom max had saved at the risk of his own life he was a sergeant a superior sort of man with a handsome face he had been a carpenter when the war broke out he had been wounded in the side he had a wife and three little children he told susanna he was going home to them but i shall never be able to work for them again he said sadly and susy could hardly repress a cry of compassion as he showed her his stumped fingers they had been clean cut off both hands to de Tehran cried one of the card-players cheerfully and again the poor fellows all laughed not heartlessly but with the real courage and humility of endurance which is more touching than any bitter complaints adolphe who had been taken prisoner had seen marney at versailles in the prussians headquarters and it was marney who had helped his escape giving him money and also certain commissions to execute in paris 
adolphe being questioned told susy of a place where marney was always to be heard of he had often carried letters for him there a cafe at st cloud it was easy enough to find while they were talking madame who hated being quiet was walking round the room with her basket on her arm distributing various things which she thought might be useful to the patients she offered a newspaper to one of them who refused it gaily with thanks i never read them said he since the war began they are nothing but lies hullo who wants the last number of the fausse nouvelle he shouts a few beds off lay a poor englishman he had enlisted in the line he had been with general failly at lyons he has been very ill poor fellow said madame as susy joined her john perkins here is an english lady come to see you see me there is not much of me fit to see muttered poor john perkins wearily pulling up the sheet over his face the sister in charge now came up she was dressed in her sister's dress with a white coif and loose grey sleeves she had a fine and sensitive face and spoke like a person of some distinction but she seemed distressed and overtasked your son has a home to go to he is ready to go the doctor tells me so many of my patients would be the better for a change but i have nowhere to send them everything is in ruins our convalescent hospital has been wrecked the furniture has been given for ambulances all is gone all is destroyed we do all we can for them mr wallace says they are to have anything they want it was a handsome house polished and shining there were englishmen to wait carved ceilings tall windows and yet it was a sad place to think of susy came away haunted by pain madame was not a comforting companion the consciousness of all this suffering rendered her morose and irritable she was anxious about her son and she had the fate of her old friend mademoiselle fayard on her mind mademoiselle fayard after being driven from neuilly had lodged over an undertaker's shop in the same street as the hospital and thither madame insisted on going the young undertaker received them in the uniform of the national guard mademoiselle fayard and her brother were gone he said but their address was always to be had at the convent of the petit soeur in reply to inquiries about himself he answered blushing that he had volunteered he had been in three battles and had got his discharge he had been wounded his wife had given him up for dead he found her in mourning for him when he got back it was but a few hours since susy had left her home and already it seemed to her natural to hear all these histories to see ruin and trouble on every side and incongruous things which no longer surprised her a few minutes later she was standing with madame du pare in the old courtyard of the convent a pile of knapsacks was heaped against the old grey wall some soldiers were coming in at the gateway and two nuns were advancing to receive them the soldiers looked well pleased and the nuns too seemed amused they were all on the best of terms the nuns smile and fold their hands the soldiers laugh and nod and scamper upstairs to their allotted cells poor fellows they would have had to sleep out of doors all night if we had not taken them in said the nuns we had one ward of the infirmary empty and the superior said the soldiers might occupy it 
the sister went on to tell madame du pare how they had kept their infirmary open almost all through the siege until one morning when a poor old fellow had gone out early to get a drink at the fountain in the garden and an obus fell and killed him just there where the sun is shining said the sieur marie joseph all of the nuns wanted to go to him but balmere ordered us down on our knees and went alone the prussians seemed to have got the range of our convent for the shells fell at intervals all that day and we moved the old men not without difficulty and danger we had hardly got them out when a great bomb came crashing into the infirmary you can see for yourself said the sister opening the infirmary door all was restored again the holes were mended in the floor with squares of new wood the orderly beds were in their places and the old men safe back in their beds nothing happens to us said an old fellow with a long white beard sitting up in bed here we lie tied by the leg i have been to prussia says another in an armchair beside him with a white nightcap pulled over his ears talking on continuously whether anybody listened to him or not i have pillaged too in my time but thank god do you marchi he pronounced it we are not bad men like those prussians we used to take to eat because we were hungry we didn't pillage for nothing at all no no we are soldiers not bandits says he bringing his hand down upon his knee if we hadn't been betrayed we should have smashed those prussians yes we should have smashed them cries a third old feeble fellow on his pillow just beyond a lady in black was sitting by his bedside a sweet-faced woman a dame de charite they called her an englishwoman living in paris who gave herself up to visiting the poor when they asked the nuns about mademoiselle fayard they said she too was well known at the convent and often came to read to the old men she was lodging close by with her brother next door to the carmelite convent in the adjoining street mrs diamond was longing to get home to her own sick woman again and madame du pare promised that this should be their last visit susanna could not help thinking of dante's journey as she followed madame's steady steps they came out into the street and presently found themselves standing in the rue de l'enfer in front of an old grim house with grey and silent walls against which came the beating sleet and the cutting winds two men were at work in the yard carting away a heap of stones and plaster a little girl was standing at the door too much engrossed by the bombshells to understand what they said at first look they are removing the ruins from the chapel the bombs fell just there mesdames piercing right through into the cellar beneath the director of the ladies escaped as by a miracle we only came home yesterday our lodge is in an indescribable state by degrees the little girl was made to understand what it was they wanted and after consultation with her mother who was at work indoors she came back with the news that mademoiselle fayard was at home upstairs at the very top of the house and susie and her old guide now climbed flight after flight of stone steps bound together as in old french houses by wrought-iron banisters at the very top of the house under the skylight they found the door to which they had been directed and rang a bell which echoed in the emptiness presently they heard steps and the door was opened and mademoiselle fayard the shadow of herself so thin changed worn limp opened the door madame's grunts of compassionate recognition nearly overcame the poor lady as she fell weeping into her old friend's arms 
she flitted before them exclaiming and hastily opened the door of the room where she had been sitting with her brother it was a long low room in the roof of the old house littered with books and packing-cases they had prepared to fly at one time mademoiselle fayard explained and had commenced to pack brother brother here is madame du parc cries the ghost of mademoiselle fayard to the skeleton of her brother who was sitting in an old dressing-gown by a smouldering stove in the semi-darkness of the room the old lady had already lit up her lamp and as they came in she hospitably turned it up with her trembling hands while he disencumbered two chairs for the ladies oh my poor friends says madame sitting heavily down what have we all suffered susy could only look her pity as she listened to the sad reiteration of cold hunger hope deferred darkness and anxiety the fayards were both speaking together they described their past alarms their weary waiting how the food and the fuel failed first and then the light they used to go to bed at seven o'clock and lie awake the long hours listening to the boom of the guns how towards the end of the siege the bombs began to fall in their streets and upon the houses all around them the old lady and gentleman felt the crash of the first that fell into the linen closet of the ladies of the carmelite convent next door the pompiers had hardly put out the fire when another bomb broke into the chapel the petite sir tourière who was arranging the altar stood alone and unhurt in the midst of the falling timber and glass but the pulpit was destroyed and the marble columns were injured the sisters could not escape because of their vow and had to remain in the cellars for a whole fortnight every day the priest went down to say mass though it was dangerous to cross the court for bomb after bomb kept falling there once we went away said mademoiselle fayard in her extinguished voice but we had to come back for food our ticket was of no use in any other district and we thought it best to remain at home many days i have waited for three hours in the pouring rain to obtain our daily allowance of food we could hardly cook it we had no fuel left oh it was bitter cold said she we have endured very much and if only it had been to some good end we should not have felt our sufferings the old people promised to come over very soon they asked affectionately after max mademoiselle fayard had been to see him in the ambulance as soon as she heard of his wound he too had been to see them during the siege he had brought them a couple of new laid eggs as a present said the old lady i know he paid fifteen francs for the two oh madame the price of everything cabbages were five francs apiece elephants monkeys cats all were at exorbitant prices as the two women turned homewards the streets were full of people in black with sad faces they passed soldiers and more soldiers all disarmed and ragged to look upon and francs-tireurs in top boots lined with old newspapers as they passed the luxembourg gardens they could see the tents of the shivering soldiers sleeping within many of them were sick just out of ambulance some had not even tents madame du parc walked on steadily and susy hurried after they were both anxious to get home but as they passed a bookseller's shop on the quay madame du parc went in for one minute to ask some questions about m caron who was a friend of the shopkeeper m caron was down near corbeil looking after his mills he was coming up next day nobody was doing any business the bookseller himself had only opened his shop for company he directed them to a coach-yard close by where they now went in search of a carriage 
and thought themselves lucky to find one their journey home was enlivened by the coachman's remarks what did they think of his horse it was one of three left out of a hundred and fifty the man stopped of his own accord before the column of victory a flag was flowing from the top garlands had been twined about its base a mere litan that is what it looks like he cried cracking his whip gaily as he spoke a little cart was slowly passing by in which sat two women dressed in black End of section thirty eight